0: Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is Aisha Elliott. Aisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey. So, Aisha, you are the host of Black Girl from Eugene, a podcast that I became aware of, kind of just scrolling on Facebook, and hey. uh, I started listening to it, and it's really cool. It's definitely different uh, than a lot of the stuff <laughs> that's being put out locally, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to chat with you and get to get to know more about how this came to be and kind of the work that you do. So. Uh, it's great to finally get a chance to meet you. We've kind of talked behind the scenes for about a month and a half about, about making this happen. So thanks for doing this.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry that my voice sounds like this, but it's been a hell of a month. So, um, uh, this is just what you got. So if you don't understand something, I'm totally fine with repeating it, but yeah, no, so you're, you're great. You're great. Okay.
0: So like <laughs> I said, uh, you host your own podcast, which is, which is, uh, really awesome. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, okay. 25 years of experience creating spaces for individuals who are interested in broadening their understanding of cultures that are underrepresented, while giving talks on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and sharing a perspective that is so incredibly important, especially in today's society. Yes. Uh, so let's just get right into it. At a young age, all the way back to middle school, I watched your interview with Mark Molina, which was great. Shout out to Mark Molina. Hey, uh, Mark. <laughs> yeah. And he, w- you were talking about back in middle school, how you just you know showed leadership in using your voice let's talk about that first
1: oh my god okay so i want to go back to middle school like what you're saying it's funny because i I need to listen to that interview middle school was rough i mean i went to middle school um in eugene and in cottage grove so there was a couple different things that happened there like i had to kind of fight my way into being understood that i wouldn't be bullied and then after i actually got my space then i could create more space if that makes sense yeah yeah so yeah, so it was, it was uh, like I said, you know, living here and living in the household that I lived in, but living in Cottage Grove, and like I said, the household that I lived in, there was always this first space of like, I will make my space. And then once I made my space, then I could do what I do, right. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I, I can only imagine, you know, obviously, Eugene is a very white dominated community, <laughs> you know, I mean, it goes without saying. Yeah. So I can only imagine middle school is a time where people will find anything about each individual and they'll just be like, oh, you're different or you're weird or you're odd, you know? And so I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Because I know for me in middle, you know.
1: I think I fought sixth grade uh, when I moved to College Grove, we were supposed to go into seventh grade or something like that, fifth grade and sixth grade, and we were supposed to go into middle school. But then I went to College Grove and they still had it in elementary school. I was pissed. And so when I remember, like, literally i was the only black girl like in the city besides my sister um there was another mixed race girl who came later but i fought almost every day and the most people the people that i fought with were mostly boys and we like physically fight until they started realizing that i'm i will i will not not fight and then finally they left me alone like it was it was a while but i i mean like almost every day for the first i'd say I don't even know, months and months that I was there for school. Wow. It, was, it was a regular thing for sure.
0: So now dealing with all of that, where did the confidence come from to start kind of using your voice? And then who were some of your earliest role models?
1: But my confidence came from home. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, it's so funny because, um, you know, I have my own children now and and everyone who meets my children will say, "You, your children are so well-mannered and they're so confident and well-assured because our household – is is our identity and our the love in our household was so strong that even the outside influence i was i always knew that i was more than what people were saying that i was if that made sense yeah, yeah so if i went to society and they would say oh black girl you know you sit in the back oh black girl you get smaller oh black girl you stop talking so loud i always knew i had you know more than they would allow me to show so um there was always an awareness that that I was kind of being quieted, you know, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. That's where I got it from. I got from the reassurance of my home and the community that my 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 parents and my siblings made for all of us, for each other inside the household. So it was very, very, very strong um, about who we were and what our purpose was. In this world period and so and our purpose at that point as a child was to be kind loving and you know and uh open so that's what we were but when it comes to who i was my identity not a question in terms of strength and um and groundedness my parents did a great job of that so yeah It was never like I don't know if I should. I was like I will fight you, (laughs) (laughs) like I will fight you over this. I know I don't belong, you know. So it was like that. So my role models growing up, you know, I mean, I would have to say, like, I in my even in my family, I'm one of the people who like kind of do things differently. Like I'm one of the people like people like oh I don't know if we can. I'm going. I think we could, and I just kind of go. So I'm always been that way. But I think the combination of my dad's um, just like. He wasn't really a fluffy person, you know what I mean? And he was very, he's a philosopher and an Egyptologist and, a, and he, he just always was putting common sense to higher, higher edu- like higher thought process. And so with him and my mother's unfathomable un, um, like kindness, patience, and wisdom, mixing those two together, they were a role model for me. And, um, I, I can't think of like who I thought of outside the household, although I was always like super into pop culture and stuff like that. But with, when it comes to like really how I mitigated through my life, it's, it's a combination of both my mom and my dad.
0: What was the response from the school when you were getting in fights? I mean, was it at school or was it off school grounds?
1: Oh, oh, Patty, I don't get caught. (laughs) That's good. I I mean, yeah, honestly, like I don't get caught, but, um, I remember I never got caught, to be honest. I would be, they would be fighting with me and I would be beating them up, right? We would be fighting. And these are boys. So they just got beat up by the one black girl. Do you think they're telling sure, anybody? Sure. Not telling anybody. Yeah. And so, and they were trying to like get me like behind the gym or like, so there's nobody around. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's why they would try to like jump me or they're try to like pick on me and they'd get their butt kicked and they're not going to tell anyone about that so we never got like actually adult intervention was never a thing you know what i mean
0: yeah i just i'm just curious because because cottage grove has a reputation on how they handle stuff Uh, even
1: to this day you know and so the the adults were never involved they like literally never knew I'm, i'm trying to think the one time i did get in trouble i was threatened with but i think we all were we were threatened with like not being able to go to, to go to the camp that we were all supposed to be going, like outdoor school or something like that. So we were threatened like we would not be able to attend certain things. But like I'm saying, I don't even remember my parents ever being called to the school. Yeah. So it was like that. Like the kids were like, the, I think the adults may have even known it was like just letting it happen. I don't really know. But you know, yeah. like, that's that's of- what I,
0: that's kind of what i was getting at because because with cottage yeah. grove i don't i mean i don't want to throw them under the bus too much i do but i'm not going to but uh cottage grove it it's probably a better thing that the parents didn't get involved because they're kids are kids kids are going to be assholes and i'm not defending those kids those kids are horrible for for wanting to fight you you know mm-hmm. but uh but at the same time the parents uh, that's a talk that's it gets even worse
1: I mean, I- it's probably best because they definitely did not want to go toe to toe with my parents, right? Right. right. Now, it's probably best we just left it to the to what we were doing, and to this day, you know, and to this day, um, I don't know. I just think of it as it like built my character. Like I, I don't even think of it. It's weird. I, I think of it like, it's almost unfortunate that people of color, like the kids when they grew up here with my kids, they had other kids that were of color. Even if it was just two or three, there was a crew. I didn't have a crew, right? Yeah, and you yeah. need a crew. And so sure. you need a community. And I didn't have one. And so um, for me, it really built that kind of, of, not just the fighting, but just the the knowing and with dealing with the adults and dealing with the kids and knowing that I was up against the wall. Like, instead of being defeated by it, it I mean, it was really about me being just like super hardheaded. Like, yeah. I was just like, you're not going to put me somewhere. And so for me, it kind of built that, that layer of... I don't know, just of that like, there's not so much that they will be able to do because you've done everything. Right. Like that's kind of how it felt until I got older and then I was like, oh no, this is everything and now I'm done. But then it was like, I was building this way of like dealing with it. And if it meant I had to fight for, for my space, I would. But in, after that, like no one messed with me anymore. Like it was like, okay, she won't, She she's just like not gonna let us bully her around. And right. then it was cool. And then I had friends, it was weird.
0: Right. And, and yeah. that's how it works with, unfortunately with fighting, usually with, yeah. with, with boys, you know, but, uh, so you know, the reason I wanted to ask about that is, is fast forward, you know, 25 years. And if you could look back and you had someone like yourself and you were that middle school kid and you had someone like yourself that was strong and confident, I guess you would have done it regardless because of that hard headedness, yeah. but it probably would have meant a lot, you know? So now what does it mean today to be a role model and recognizable leader in our community?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, I, the what? Why I chose middle school kids for my kids for the culture, very intendedly. Like everything I've done, is extremely, extremely focused. Right? Like Black Girl from Eugene is extremely focused. Um, kids for the Culture is extremely focused. Nurturing Black is extremely focused, and it's all based on on first the fir- very first thing, my lived experience, and the second second thing is um, research. You know, and so. All of those things are really, really not something I'm just pulling out of the air. And so, when it comes to like me being a role model for middle school kids, I I just attract middle school kids and high schoolers because the level of energy and truth that I that I bring to everything I do, those kids are are looking for truth, right? They're not looking for um, the 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 roundabout. And so I give them I give them the reason and the why, and then I give them the empowerment to show up the way they show up. Right. I mean, the one thing, um, the one thing that I have always done in my life when I was young was just um, really understand that I was empowered to feel like I could, like I was always a very optimistic person and I still am. There was very few things that I'd be like, I don't know that I can do that. I'm just like, okay, let's see how much we can do, you know, all like that. And so I can, I can translate that into lots of different middle school, high school languages. Um, and so for me to be a leader, my skill set is that I'm, I'm an intuitive communicator, which means I, in the very moment, can understand what's needed and, and get there um, in terms of the, the basic subject that we're talking about. So if we're talking about being Black, if we're talking about race equity, we're talking about empowerment, we're talking about, I don't know, adolescence, it, I can mix it all together in a real quick way I can take it from a high level of education and bring it to a street level of understanding really quickly. And so kids do that too. Middle schoolers do that too. We talk down as if they don't understand it, but they can take what we're trying to say and simplify it to make it work for them. They may not have the vocabulary, they may not have the like the life experience, but they've got the gist of what it needs to happen. So when you give them information, it only takes it only takes energy and encouragement for them to blow it all the way up. Most people are worried about their, their emotions and they're moody and they're like hard to get with. But honestly, it just is how you communicate and I'm good at it. So it just, that's literally the leadership that I'm with is like, let me talk to you and then you go do whatever that means to you. Go do what you think it means and blow it up. And generally, that's how I feed the people that I work with and people I work for is like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how you how it works for you. I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to empower you with what I feel that I see in you and the information that we have together. And then you are going to go and you're going to take it and you're going to go and do whatever you want with it. And it's going to be beautiful. It all, it works out very, very well.
0: Yeah, I think you, it's it's so important that everyone, not just young adults, but everyone is told that they're special. Everyone's told that they're awesome, that they have something in them, that they have drive, passion, all that. It goes a long way, (laughs) you know, especially, you know, everybody.
1: To be like big, it's like you came here, you've got like, I mean, you've got vision. You don't even have to have the idea. Like you've just got, you've got an idea. It's different than this. That is enough to change so much. You know what I mean? Just understanding that it's different than what it is right now that it can be better, that that is enough, we can spark that, you can blow that up. So, you know, just having those little words. And that's like you said, for adults too, it's like, you know, even my consultations, like when I'm in working with businesses and I'm doing consultations, it's like, I'm saying these things to the directors. I'm saying these things to the CEOs who are worried and scared about what it take, What it means to change their businesses or change their nonprofits to, to becoming, you know, inclusive It's a long, it's a long, long and hard, hard uh, deconstruction process and they need to be encouraged too. So it works really well with everything that I do just to know that it is a process for all of us, no matter what stage you're at. And you need to be, you need to be gassed up so that you can do it. It's a long road. It's a marathon. Like you got to know
0: you can make it to the end. So the big thing I wanted to talk about today is your, is your website and your podcast that like you had talked about before, it's kind of the whole thing is really streamlined. The website is phenomenal. I mean, there's so much depth to it. Uh, it's blackgirlfromeugene.org and the podcast is called black girl from Eugene. Uh, I'm going to go over kind of the three major sections that I drew from the website and we'll talk about each one. Uh, let's start with race equity talks. These are conversations designed to break down white supremacy, uh, what do these conversations look like and who would be the ideal participants?
1: So this is funny because my website totally needs to be updated.
0: <laughs> and that's always the case.
1: Right? It needs to be I was like, Oh wait, I gotta keep working at it. Dang, like I did it. It's good. Like, no, you gotta keep doing it. Um so anyway, it does need to be updated. That the talks is one aspect that I do. So conversations about race um it's a series now like i said it needs to be updated and I, I talk to everyone literally from i did yoga groups uh soccer moms like i do those i do community groups uh book clubs and then i go all the way up to nonprofits, small ones large ones i've worked with um you know i've worked with people nonprofits that are perinatal based and pre uh prenatal based and then i've worked with nonprofits that are um are, are so big that they, they have branches in California and Washington, right? Um, I've worked in higher education. I've worked with businesses. Uh, so I've worked with the U of O, U of H, uh, Oberlin in Ohio. I've worked, I'm working, you know, uh, colleges in California. So I, and then, like I said, also businesses, I've worked with um, straight up uh, small size to mid-sized businesses. And so what it looks like is, Several different things. I offer lectures. I've worked with the state of Oregon, so I work in governance section. Uh, I work with the county, and the state, and the city. So I've worked with all of these folks, um, and in different capacities. I can do advisement, and which is I'm consult. I'm doing consultations. I'm looking at hiring practices. I'm looking at you know um, policy. I'm looking at the culture of your business. There's that, and then it goes down to just having conversations. When we have a series, a series of two hours, uh, three six hours but they're two hours each and we sit down and we go one-to-one with intimate conversations about race and how it shows up in your life everything i do whether it's for businesses or small practices or if it's for communities it's all about aligning intention to impact my whole work is intention what your intention is and aligning it to your impact and so obviously i work with a lot of white businesses i work with a lot of white owned businesses but i also work with groups of bipoc people as well because we're deconstructing white supremacy. So, um, and we're trying to show up authentically and being able to deconstruct white supremacy means we gotta talk about white supremacy. And it's white, really white supremacy culture, which, is, which really doesn't actually have a race attached to it, but it actually um, is absolutely benefiting white and privileged people. So we really have, it's a very nuanced conversation. Um, a lot of the conversations that I have are basing your experience with race and your experience of how you actually personally um, uh, process it. So if we can first think about that, and then we go into the other constructs of how race shows up, we can actually, it's its actually change and move things around. It's kind of like when you go and you just learn the definitions, you learn the toolbox. I'm teaching you how to, I'm, you learn you get a toolbox. I'm actually le- teaching you how to use the tools, if right. that makes sense. Right.
0: Yeah. So I want, I want to talk about this. Okay. So, now, hear me out, this is painful. But diversity training, right? Now, it's garbage, right? Like the, like in this terminology, we'll get I'll get to my point. But the remember <laughs> Eugene was on Fox News. Anytime Eugene Oregon's spotlighted on Fox News, you know it's trouble because <laughs> they're like, look at these liberals, you know, but uh, they were doing a thing about diversity training at the Olympic trials, like the first ones way back in the day. And I mean, I've had to process and learn that, like you were talking about this breakdown of white supremacy, I have had to evolve as a human being, just like everyone, you know, and at the time I didn't understand. I'm like, what is this? Why is why are people freaking out now? I would look at it more like when you talk about conversations of race, that is a very different thing than diversity training because diversity training is how do we have these conversations while maintaining the structure of white supremacy? Is that, is that a correct assessment? I
1: mean, the problem. The, yes, yes, absolutely. That's a great assessment. Yeah. And the problem with it is is that, I mean, that's an excellent assessment. And the problem with it is is that people don't even understand what diversity really means. Because, I mean, you can say diversity. So, and what? You're talking about cultural diversity, ethnicity, ethnic diversity, language diversity. What are you are you talking about? Gender diversity? What are you talking about? Right? And so people say diversity. And it just immediately go black, white, and brown. Right. <laughs> that means you lack a depth of understanding what diversity even is. So just even with the in the constructs of white supremacy narrowing these definitions to quickly assess the situation is a, is exactly. actually right. a product of white supremacist culture you know what i'm saying the urgency and the and the in the need to to simplify is is a part of white supremacist culture practices and we just kind of go along with it so like for instance i'm i'm doing i'm actually an advisor for a um a nonprofit group that I was speaking about, I'm an advisor to two, and one of them were doing culturally matched care. And they're like, well, what is culture? Well, immediately someone says culture is like, you know, they start to describe ethnicity, sure. right? And Well, that's not culture. So if you're gonna do culturally matched care, you can literally be culturally matched with people who live rurally. And that's a culture in itself. And so you, if you live rurally and understand what it means to live off the grid, then you can culturally match to that lifestyle. Yeah. That's the thing. People don't really take the time to know what the definitions and the breadth of those definitions actually mean. Right. So diversity, we're talking and you're talking about, I mean, your definition of what you said that to The to diversity training. It, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. Because if we're trying to surmise it and just go white supremacy, the fact that we don't even, we don't even indicate which diversity we're talking about. Is is absolutely right there is immediately a red flag of oh this is assimilation training
0: <laughs> yeah yeah this
1: is assimilation training um and and we're all gonna learn how we can all act like them you know well, and, and you wrote about that you different. know
0: it's it, now that you mentioned the assimilation uh, aspect you had wrote about that in the Eugene Weekly in one of your columns about how you're not going to assimilate I'm gonna be me you know you know and I think that's really really good and i think it's important for people that are not black to think like that too it's like i'm gonna be me mm. in every aspect of life do you know what i mean like mm. i'm it might not be accepted by others but that doesn't matter you know you know what I mean? i'm gonna be me because that's right. what's true to me you know now as far as the uh one thing that i realized as far as diversity and and whatnot, ethnicity and all this stuff this is such a stupid light bulb moment for me but it's not i mean it's one of those things i think it's so important for people to be able to know the difference between ethnicity and first of all nationality because mm-hmm. when you talk about nationality, it doesn't—that doesn't define anyone other than what country you live in. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it. That's it. So it's like when yeah. someone's like, "What is an American?" Our
1: nationality is, Amer- is North American,
0: right? And so it's like, yeah. what 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 nationality are you? I mean, I have a coworker that she said. It turns out I did a twenty-three, and me turns out I'm not Mexican. I'm like, that's because that's a country, <laughs> you know. And and she's like French and Aztec and Spanish, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's anthropology. Good job. That's the mm-hmm. first your first grade is an A. You know, and, yes. and because I had a guy that I was cutting his hair for a long time and he was a redheaded white you know, pale complected like me. And he was, I'm like, where are you from? He's like, well, I'm Cuban. And I, and mm-hmm. I, I instantly was like, what? And he's like, yeah, dude, Irish people move everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and it just kind of was a light bulb moment where I was like, wow, if I can start yeah. to think about this in a way that now, when you say where you're from, you're talking about like, where did you grow up? Like you say black girl from Eugene, from Eugene, not mm-hmm. in Eugene. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's and I did that on purpose. A lot of people, a lot of people were like in Eugene and it makes sense because like that would be a good like I'm I'm a black girl in Eugene, like WTF. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Like That makes sense to say black girl in Eugene. Um, but I wanted to 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 be I wanted to indicate that I'm actually from Eugene. And that makes that twisted a little bit
0: Yeah, because it's your <laughs> that home.
1: Twisted a bit. Yeah. And so you'll have to learn more about why it twisted. But that's what it, that's I did that absolutely on purpose.
0: Let's talk about kids for culture. Kids, kids for culture uh, is a place for young people to better access the tools to become future leaders who center around black wellness and perspective. Talk about that a little bit. And then is your website the best place for people to kind of reach out and find more about this?
1: Yes, it is the best place. And um, kids, it's kids for the culture. And so the, the whole thing for the culture is like a is like, you know, an urban thing of you know being like you like it's like kind of, I don't. I'm not trying to like think of a, a white way of saying like, you know, like you only live once, and it's kind of like and that for me, that's like for you, like do it like for you, and so for the culture is like show up for the culture, like you know, be it be be uh, black excellence, like for the culture. So it's like kids for the culture, right? I got it. And that's where the leadership comes in. Um, but the thing, what's really funny about it being black centered and black focused, is that it's not only for black kids, but the thing is, or BIPOC kids white kids are welcome. And that was by, by, um, we have a, we have a committee of, of children who are BIPOC and they asked that we bring in white kids to, to, uh, be taught by black people about black stuff. Um, cause they, they're, they're, and this is a quote from one of the girls. <clears throat> she was like, we are tired of defending ourselves. Like they need to know what we know. And we were like, that is so right. So the thing about our the thing about our our nonprofit is that it's not necessarily we don't we won't have it's primarily bipoc children. So we won't have like a room of 10 kids and there's a bunch of white kids that want to get in and there's like, you know, four, four uh, bipoc kids who come in late. Bipoc kids get priority obviously and then we fill the rest up with white with all the white children. But we want white kids to come. The problem is, is when we say Black-centered and Black-focused, white people Im- immediately go, oh, that's for someone else. That's not for us, right? But the truth of it is the leadership part of this and, and having it being Black-centered is that the very center of Amer- of North American culture is based in Black history, right? It's based in um, the the ability and capability of, of the Black community. So it's really important that we teach we teach what we need to know about black history and black modern, um, accomplishment from a black perspective. Everyone can learn that, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And everyone needs to hear it. So, um, so that's what we do. And so all the, all the things that we teach will be taught by someone of color. Um, it will be coming from a perspective centered from that lived experience and from that research. And it will be, um, um, coming from a perspective that, that uplifts that narrative. And so that's, that's really the centerpiece of it, that you will not get a black, you will not get a te- a white teacher teaching you about black life right. or black, black uh, history or black, black wellness. It will be someone black, brown um, who will be teaching that. And that's, that's like the center of it. And it, we're coming from all of our lived experience and we're teaching history, tying our, our historic, um, uh, accomplishments to our modern day uh movements and so it's and then we tie it to activities it's amazing
0: so now if people are interested parents or kids they can go or you know young adults whatnot they can go to yeah. the website and the link's going to be in the show notes anywhere you're watching or listening to this and, and we have a
1: face a facebook a facebook page and a linkedin it's kids kids for the culture either way
0: and i want to ask about this but i want to make sure that i don't link these two things about critical race theory you know, because I know that it's become just a buzzword again, again, about critical race theory, but you had (laughs) talked about it. Well, I mean, it's the the for the people that are unwilling to actually learn about what they're talking about, you know? And so I think what you're talking about from my understanding, and I have a very base level understanding of it, I'll be the first to admit, but it sounds, there's similarities in a way that it's in, maybe you'll be able to define this better than I could, but critical race theory is designed to teach about history where the stuff that's been omitted also and then also from different perspectives. Is that correct? No. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, i I know nothing. So, I mean, tell me about what, what is your take on critical race theory and what do you think it is?
1: Critical race theory is the law that was made that, that was, it's, it's learning about law. It's learning about laws that, that basically uh, systemically excluded Black people from the United from the access and resource of the United States,
0: and it's primarily um, taught in law school. You know, that's, yeah, yeah, for right, yeah.
1: So and so the uh, and the thing is, is that so critical the 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 interesting part about critical race theory and how you can broaden it is like that's what I think people are doing, and, and it's you can't put that in the wrong hands, right? So the thing about critical race theory, it, it is the basis. Of, of systemic racism. It's the laws that created the systems that that still to this day exclude Black people from access and resource, right? From what the United States is built on. Yet it's built on the backs of Black, we, we know all this, right? Built on the blacks, uh, backs of Black and Brown people. Um, yet we are, it is designed to exclude us from the, the privilege and benefits of the system in which we built. So there's that. Learning how that happened is what the 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 original critical race theories is about, right? What that what that meant to do and what that does. That's what critical race theories is really about. But when it comes down, if you're gonna if you're gonna broaden it, it goes down into the facts that that we're not taught that that was by design. <laughs> we're yeah. not taught that that was absolutely on purpose. And like I said, um, it was it was too. It was like, it wasn't like, oh well. Well, then how did the blacks get excluded? It was like, no, we are excluding black people, and this is how we're going to do it. So,
0: and it's but when you take it out
1: and you broaden it to bring it down at levels of, of academia, and you want to bring it down, it is those other things, right? Technically, it does it does um, equate to all of the ing- all of the, um, like I said, barriers to access and resource. It is those things. So it just kind of like. Well then, how does that show up? How does it show up in, in, um, you know, in real estate? How does it show up in housing? How does it show up in education? How does it show up in health disparities? How does it show up in? So then we can like start to like balloon out critical race theory to like this is how it shows up. This is the design of these things, and this is why uh, black folks explicitly anti-blackness is written into the word. So so teaching that and saying that it's actually not it's not by accident. And this is how it's excluded from the history books, excluded from the education system. This is how we designed it and decided to do it this way. Yeah, Nobody wants to talk about how that's going to be taught in middle school. When the truth of it is, is when you, when you water it down, it's basically what people are saying. You're going to teach the black and Brown side of the story, but, that's not what critical race theory is. That's that's allowing black and brown stories to be heard. If we were to undo and actually get into critical race theories, you will know that there is a story that does not add up to why, to why there's a lack of access and resource in 2021. So when we start to do that, you'll go, well, oh, there is a different story. It starts to unfold. So all of this unfolding comes back to how middle schoolers are going, how how parents are going we don't want our middle schoolers learning about you know the slaves the the slaves that that Thomas Jefferson owned and fathered you know <laughs> and so it's like we don't want to know that part well if we're going to break down race in America and we're actually going to break down how we came to this piece there's a whole another side to that story and we're not telling it well there's so a lot now, of,
0: there's a lot of issues yeah. with teaching history
1: and I don't want to yeah. be i, I mean
0: there's a debate on if if critical race theory is just teaching history i mean i actually think it is you know because like you just said it's actually law that was written it's not debatable it exists you know and but then there's a there's issues with teaching history wrong you know like christopher columbus i mean it's bullshit but then the italian americans have their experience and their story and they're like what you're taking away our dude You know know what I'm saying? And so these things, I'm not, and I'm not, they're not, I mean, I'm just saying it's true. Like these people,
1: it's all a lie. Right. I mean, I I cannot imagine who thought, who, what group of dudes that were like, you know, created, I mean, the way that colonialism worked was so damn brilliant. Like it's like to, to mind wash the entire globe is in such a way is like phenomenal in the, in like the most evil way. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, a mad genius. Like it's just, it's insane. So anyway, all I'm saying is like to, to be able to wash across and for all of us to be fooled in such a way, talk to the psyche of human beings more than anything else. But for me, and so I, you know, in all of my work, I have a very, very spiritual base in all the work I do. And like my degrees are in, cognitive neuroscience, it's in human behavior. So that's when I look at all my race theory and all of the way that I talk to people and communicate what I believe to be true is based in behavior. And so when you can get to why someone does something, it just clicks. But that's the same way white supremacy worked. You see what I'm saying? To be able to to believe that you are just innately better and therefore deserve more. You know, and so when it comes to Italians and it comes to this, you got to go back to. I mean, Christa, Christopher Columbus was before white was white, but you got to remember that Christopher Columbus wasn't Italian. When I learned about him,
0: right, he was a white dude, right? <laughs> you right. know what
1: I'm saying? I'm
0: just how saying. I'm just Columbus saying when it's when it's misled, when people are misled, the, then there's these these historical figures that are celebrated that it's like, but that's
1: not the truth. Like that's not the. But full how story. did how did Christopher Columbus, in, stop being Italian? Right. When did he stop? When did he start being white for everybody? Right. Most people don't talk, think about Christopher Columbus as Italian.
0: Well, what about you? unless you really
1: know about your history and you're learning about? But Christopher Columbus, when I was in fifth grade, was a white dude.
0: Yeah, I started reading a book how, about called "How the Irish Became White." It's it's pretty troublesome, but it's interesting. Well, I really- mean,
1: look at how white folks became white. It's a I, I took a totally. whole course in it it. Is a whole damn course totally. on how white folks became white because they weren't white before they were Polish. They were Irish. They were, I'm, you know, what I mean? the percentage of Irish I have in my, my bloodstream, I'm like, damn near 50%. Now I'm not, neither of my parents are 50% Irish, sure. but I have such so a high much, percentage yeah. of Irish all the way through my, my ancestry that it's, that it's like, I'm like, who, where's the white dude at? Like, where's he at? And the thing is, is that once you're black, right once you're once you're black you're black there's no irish anymore there's no italian anymore but once you can what if you can identify as white and drop the italian and and gain resources and 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 financial back that's how white became white i mean like i said there's a whole course you can take a year's worth of study on how white folks became white but it just like just like critical race theory, it's about money. Yeah, it's always about resource. I think it's you know really I mean? important
0: for for everyone, but for white people to know more than just I'm American. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's really it's really an equalizer when you talk about because I've said this I've said this before on the podcast. and It may come. On, it is what it is. This is something I'm working on. So, so I'm workshopping it. So it's not great, but you've got you've got a lot of different stories in america you've got the immigrant experience that's a couple generations or even just the individual themselves that immigrated here and then you have natives and then you have blacks you have the slaves that's pretty mm-hmm. much it that's pretty much it you know what i'm saying so it's it's pretty it's pretty harsh when we, you know, for some people, it's too uncomfortable to have these conversations. But the thing is, is that we just need to acknowledge it so that we can start start to learn like our place in in society or I don't know. I mean, well, I
1: think I think the first thing we have to do is remove the borders. I mean, and I don't mean the border of Canada or the border of Mexico. I mean, the borders, period, because when you when people say natives, right, we don't even know you wouldn't even recognize a true native to sure. North America if they walked up on you. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And so, and that's the truth. And that's the truth. I mean, the fact that Mexico, like, we can't borderline Mexico. Mexico went into Texas, into Oklahoma. And right. you California. see what I'm saying? And so, because people migrate, indigenous.
0: people migrate. Period. You know, so they're
1: indigenous people versus the Northwest indigenous people is it's like we don't even know. We got to take the borders off and go. What the hell happened? Right. So I mean, it's just it it goes way far back. We have all so so much deconstruction that has to happen for everyone to be able to see each other's uh to see each other and truth it's not even about to see each other it's like for you to show up
0: yeah so for you to show
1: up as irish this is right totally for me to show up as whatever mix i am you know what i mean like for me to show up that's what we really and it's tough because
0: you know for me i have a ton of pride in my in my roots and my heritage and stuff about being irish you know so Mm -hmm. so it's it's tough to have these conversations because our identities are so defined by that you know so i'm going to ireland in september actually but
1: oh hey i'm trying to go to ireland i'm trying to see if i recognize anybody i'm like hey what's right no i'm just kidding. No,
0: no. (laughs)
2: like,
0: i think it's really cool this is why your podcast is so great it's because this is the kind of stuff that you'll discuss and it's just it's really really thought-provoking and it's cool we gotta we gotta move on because we got a lot of stuff this is i think really cool all this stuff is cool i don't i don't i don't want to make it this is a big one they're all big but nurturing black this uh, this is yeah. a group mentorship program for white parents raising black and biracial babies, yep. And you know these are my words, but this is a lot more than hair tutorials. You know, okay. you know. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges facing white parents and then black children with white parents?
1: <laughs> oh my god! Well, I mean, it's huge. That's a huge thing. I the parents. Um, the biggest challenges is that they don't. Have the same lived experience, and they want to love and protect their child, and they do it the way they know how, which is culturally based. It doesn't protect them. That doesn't protect their children. It actually harms their kids later on. Right? That that is something that they're like viscerally aware of, especially. And this is a lot of people say, especially after George Floyd. Um, for them, that was a wake up call. Right? But so they they really are having a hard time, like, I know that my child will have a, a lived experience that I, I don't understand, for one, two, I can't protect them from, three, I know how bad and evil it is, and four, um, what, h- how early am I supposed to be, like, putting the fear into them about, like, and it's like, there's a perspective for white folks and black folks. The way that your child has to move through the world is going to be different than the way they, they move through the world that's the that's what we talk about quite a bit and we talk about how they can ally with their child and how they can empower their child instead of feeding their child child with the fear that they feel white people lead with fear quite a bit black people do not it's a it's literally a different we're on a different rhythm for for how we how we walk through the world and so teaching white parents how to see a different side of of existing when there is fear is is really hard to do and that's a lot that's a lot of the work that I do I mean not just that but that is it so that's really one of the first things for parents uh for the kids generally the children that I I work with are very young some of these parents are, are t- working with me and the babies aren't even born yet they're like I want to get this right from day one children identify identify differences um, you know, as early as six months, like they're identifying differences. So you gotta be able to like have conversations. You gotta be comfortable with race. You gotta be comfortable with how you feel about black people, right? And so that's, that's what's different in that generally when I'm working with mixed race people, I've, the research that I've done and the lived experience I have is with adults who are harmed and who have, who have identity crisis that they are working through. That were that were put onto them by their parents unknowingly, and so a lot of times these people are are the folks are like, "Hey, my parents have no idea what they actually did," and I'm and I have to undo it as an adult, and it hurts because I I I I'm too I feel like I'm not black enough to be black, and I feel like I'm not white enough to be white, and I feel like it. and there's all of these these um the ways they move through the world that is is something that. Wasn't given to them as a empowerment tool or as something that 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 they could utilize in the in as an adult. It was more used as a weapon, and it was used as something to be fearful of and to be careful about. And though and being having to see yourself like that and trying to grow through the world and be excellent is difficult to do. It happens all the time, but I've never met any adult black and white biracial person that is working, that I've worked with that didn't have that exercise to do. Right. Some of them never get over it. And some of them are like, yeah, this was what happened in my life. And I'm, and I, and I have learned that this is what this was and they are completely whole and, and feel like non harmed and they understand what their parents tried to do. Um, But it was like, I had to do this work, on my own later well, and like, then my family just doesn't get it or that's just who they are
0: going all exactly. the way back to the first thing we were talking about middle school some people yeah. like some people like being on an island some people like being being different and sticking out being unique do you know I and mean? some people want to be in the court uh, you know hidden and and not seen mm-hmm. as much yeah and i yeah. would imagine for for biracial people that's that's kind of a, there's a lot of you know it's difficult because of the facts that you're like where do I fit in and and for some people it's going to be like I don't need to fit in I want to be me you know you yeah, know and absolutely. that's what that's what I'm going to celebrate you know no, absolutely. and
1: I mean just just how people it says a lot how people identify themselves so people will be like I'm mixed race okay um, you can identify those folks as in in a, in one of those categories that you just said like okay and then you've got someone who will say I'm black with white parents. Okay, I know where they're coming from. I have someone who says I'm biracial, black and white. Okay, they're coming from a different place. Okay, well then someone's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, uh, what's another one I've I've heard where people refer to themselves as a derogatory statement. I'm an Oreo. Okay, I see something else coming from that, right? So there's ways that that um, the way that people as adults, these are adults that I'm talking to, um, at what that we're talking about when they're identifying themselves, children don't do that, right? The world identifies them and then the adult identifies themselves later. So um, so anyway, basically, like when I'm talking to adults, how they decide to identify their biracial existence uh, says a lot about how how far they have, um, how much and how and, and the way that they have processed how they show up in the world. And it's it's absolutely their own to do. Right. I'm just here uh, right. picking it up. Right. right? Well, the, like, picking the, it up.
0: like the Oreo yeah, comment. It's I'm t- like so- I
1: am not telling anybody how to be. No. I am talking to their parents about like, you know, don't lead with fear. Let right. me tell you how this works out. Like let let them show you the narrative and then learn how to follow your child. Learn how to recognize when you're when you and your family are walking into a den a line of like a, a, a den of lions like un- understand racism decenter yourself all of these exercises that i do with them is something that comes along uh with the with uh nurturing black well that's a very difficult
0: thing though from a parent's perspective where oh, yeah where where you're where you know you're like so if i'm getting this right you're like don't lead with <clears throat> maybe, maybe i'm understanding this wrong so you'll be able to, to fill me in but like if you know it's like okay for example if you have a uh if you're a white parent and you have a black kid and you're like preparing them they're going out without you maybe at 10 12 13 years old whatever and you and you have to give them the conversation about like well if you're pulled over you know like make sure that you show your hands and all the shit that you have to do if you're black that you don't necessarily have to do if you're white right you know i mean and i think sometimes this gets convoluted because everyone is afraid of police period you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like everyone feels shitty Mm -hmm. in that situation but I That's had right. a, I had a blonde haired blue eyed girlfriend and I'll tell you right now, she's like, fuck you to the, to the cops. And she had no problem with right. it and she didn't get her ass beat. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I couldn't believe yeah. it. I thought she should, but, but anyway, yeah.
1: well, I mean, but you know, this is the thing. It's not about like, it's one thing about leading with your life with fear. And it's another, like leaving your life with awareness. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And yeah. so yeah. that, I mean, black folks were, we know that it, it's we there. can walk into the store sure. with our hoodie on. And, and
0: and it's naive and to me to think arrested. that it's 13 cuz that happens at like 4. So, you know, yeah, like no, when you realize happens
1: it happens at like 4. So what you're trying to do just like you try to tell a kid not to not to um uh you know, you don't want to stand on the back of a chair. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to do these things, right? So you're you're leading with fear. Why do you why would you not want to stand on the back of a chair? Lead with some awareness. So th- th- there's a different way of doing this that works where there's a world outside of who that child is that they are not the problem. That is what, see, and the thing is, is that when parents don't actually see what we're saying and doing, when we lead with fear, when they are looking like what you are actually saying everyone is scared of, right? So you got to switch that narrative. It's not that, it's it's like they are not the problem. The problem is outside of them, I've right? Seen- and that they have to be aware of what they are navigating through, it's not that they have to be anything different than who they are. They're they're navigating through something that isn't quite developed. It's not a hundred percent. It can't see their beauty or efficacy. But if the parents are teaching from the viewpoint of how to get through this maze in a way that the maze wins, that's not that's not empowering your child.
0: Yeah, you see I've seen, some, I've seen some pretty incredible incredible grandmas i've seen some pretty incredible you know white grandmas with black grandkids i've seen some 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 real mama bear shit (laughs) you
1: know you know i mean you know yeah i I mean i i give when i talk to these parents i give them all the love because what they're trying Not whether or not they went into it completely ignorantly because some of them do
0: that's life itself yeah
1: the courage it takes to say, I I have a child I love with all my heart and I don't know how to protect them, please help me. That's that's a massive step into vulnerability. And I celebrate that, like I applaud that. I'm like, that to me is, is bigger than what you think you can't do, right. right? So that's, first off, I don't have anything negative to say about white parents that are raising black kids and who are who are showing up to tell me, please help me with this, because I know I, you know I know that I'm not, I am not enough. Right. Right? And and at the same time, I don't tell them about their kid. I tell them, well, if you're gonna be their parents, you're gonna need to be enough. So let so this is not about them. This is about you and how you feel about black people and how you feel about the black community. Because how you feel about it will seek into your child, just like if they were white. How you feel about being white goes right into your kid. How you feel about black people goes right into your kid. Well, I think if they're black, how you feel about black people reflects onto how they see themselves in you. You gotta be, you gotta be pro-black. I mean, I think if you, were, if you were if you were working
0: thing. if you were working with parents of transgender kids, right, uh-huh. where the transgender the parent is like what do i do when society doesn't accept my kid you're like well have you accepted them <laughs> you know yeah, you know no, what i'm I saying mean, like that's the that's the first step like have you accepted it i mean that's probably that's it that's know? huge
1: so. but that you got to understand that's a hard
0: oh yeah lesson. yeah
1: hard lesson because you're like well you're my kid i love you <laughs> right i love you sure oh but i'm a whole piece of a community Right. Like right. I'm, a, I'm a whole part of a whole community. And so and, and the way that they talk to about trans, they, they talk about trans community and trans existence bleeds out whether or not they're pro anything. And so, yeah, you can love your trans child. Sure. But we can you can smell the fact that anybody else does not work for you. Right. You can see it. And that is the issue. And that harms the child. Right. So you got to be. If you're if you have a black child or a biracial child, you got to be pro-black. And now, now understanding pro-black is something. This is how deep racism goes. Talking to a white person about being pro-black. They're like, oh, what does that mean? Now, I'm like, no one said you do, please do not cornrow your hair. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying you have to change being white in order to be pro-black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm pro-LGBTQ. I'm not queer. You know, I don't have to be queer to be pro LGBTQ. I that what it means is that I am championing their right to be here in the way that they feel to they feel that they should be here. I will champion that. I will move aside so that they can have space because I'm pro LGBTQ. Period. Black white people can be pro-black. You you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's hard because racism is that deep for white people to believe that that it's appropriate to be pro-black when you're white i think young people
0: young people like i'm talking high school and under right now i think that they are they're it's so different the way that you know like they 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 understand it they're just like no this person they like what defines somebody doesn't make them any less or more of of anything you know what i'm saying so it's like it's it's better i mean we've made tremendous progress i do want to talk about that and then we're going to get out of here Progress okay. progress in the community, you know, and, and what are some areas that progress has been made on issues of race? And what are some areas that we've gone backwards?
1: Progress has been made the fact that white people are talking about it in a way that they've never talked about it before. White supremacy is becoming a household conversation, right? That's progress. Um, understanding white supremacy differently than just the KKK and understanding that it can be, uh, you know, understood as like a grocery store. Can be a white supremacist space because it it is indicative of white supremacist culture. White people are starting to understand that. Huge, huge. That is different, right? Um. So yeah, that's the problem. I think for me, from
0: from my perspective, one thing that I've from a white person's perspective, one thing that I've seen that's really been cool is that people of color, in my opinion, have been more willing to allow people to say cringy shit like to say stuff to, that they've learned like in my experience in i was i'm 39 so i've seen some real changes in the way that racist can is talked about you know by white people and black people and brown people and whatever else but i mean I, there's so much yeah. of a learning curve about culture when it's so different you know what i mean and, and there's all these structures but that's one thing like you talk about that it's like these conversations are having being had by white people i think that that's a, a whole societal thing where people are like all right, let them just let them just limp through this or, you know, like, just figure it out on the go.
1: I mean, yeah, having critical race theory be a topic that I can say CRT and people know what I'm saying. That's huge. That's yeah. progress. It doesn't matter if they understand what the hell it means. The fact that they know that <laughs> those three things go together, it's just like, OK, yeah, uh, we can work with, you know, we got similar vocabulary even. Yay, we're sure. getting there. I mean, these are small steps. These are very small steps, but this is indicative of how far we had to go. What about right?
0: what about backwards? How how we, how were the areas oh, that we've gone backwards?
1: It's the it's the it's um it's the the clutching pearls are just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. How when people are holding on to it, they're they're starting to like foam at the mouth, right? It's like it's not when people are now people are scared, and so the backwards part is that fear is is for those people are it's eliminating choice. It's eliminating wisdom. You know what I'm saying? It's eliminating process. And so that's where we're going backwards is that the fear has gone up so much. All the propaganda around, you know, the blacks are taken over, right? Like all that part, like it's caused such a high level of fear for people who really don't understand and who are really ignorant. And I mean, ignorant meaning like not informed, yeah. that that fear has caused such a backlash. It's painful. Um, it's painful in processing even themselves, and that part I think um, is becoming more and more evident. And meaning evident, meaning that like they're they're they are showing themselves and being like, we're proud to be stuck in this place, well, and this is where we belong. And if you're not here, and it's always been there, but now it's out in the in like it's it's violent, yeah. in in like, violent in an outweigh. Does that make sense? Like, well, people with people equity, tell you it's been violent ever since. But right. to be violent in the grocery store and no one knows what to do and the cop is not coming, that is backwards. We're yeah, going backwards yeah. that way.
0: With equity, yeah. people look at equity like it's pie. <laughs> you know, like it's like yeah. I think they have to give a slice of their equity just for, for someone else to have equity. That's just not how it works. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, no. so no. that's a big one. Uh, I wanted to talk about one last thing. Uh, reflections on this, the past Juneteenth celebration this last year, Juneteenth, the celebration was huge in, in Eugene. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I know you spoke at it. I I didn't, Mm -hmm. I caught like the very tail end, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I want to hear what you have to say about that experience that day and that celebration and what it meant
1: to you. It was really fun. Um, I was really, really excited that it's getting so, so big, um, and because I'm one of the original, like I'm one of the people who celebrated it, you know, here in Eugene, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, it's funny to see people think it's the first one or the original one. That's funny, but I really love that the people who are bringing it together are able to have a like-minded goal and and accomplish something so so joyous for everyone to come. And the fact that there were so many black owned businesses when I mean, we took up the whole section. I mean, it was like, this; it was just huge, like there was several, I mean, how, like, how many, like 30, 40, I mean, it was so many. And they were inundated with business. They were busy. Everyone was exhausted. Kids were playing with each other that they don't know. Kids are playing in the grass, showing like a level of like safe, feeling safe, feeling a sense of community that I had not felt in Eugene in a really long time, you know? And so I'm really, really happy that that sense of community is just starting to spark. And in a place like Juneteenth, we were able to come together in a like-minded uh, Black joy essence and have white folks, brown folks, everyone be there and celebrate together and have it so safe and loving and fun. It was so much fun. Like the music was good. The, the entertainment was good. The vending was amazing. The food was good. We There was nothing that I was like, oh yeah. Um, obviously I know background, you know, hubbub about how things get done and all this and that's how every big event happens i'm always encouraged by every year it getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that's how i felt about it and i'll be a part of it as long as i'm here you know what i mean um i really i like i like the feeling that came along with this year's juneteenth
0: yeah it was good it was good i was glad i could go so now last question uh what's next for aisha Elliott, and what do i have to do to get you run for to run for public office (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah never gonna do that <laughs> never, never gonna no that. no city I council when I was younger city I council when I was younger. we need we no, need you on do- city council no oh my god i can i city council is not big enough for me let me just put it that way okay? that's fair they, that's fair the mind is too small the mind is too small yeah well you so can run I, for
0: governor then that's fine I,
1: <laughs> um you know what i really like my goals in the next five years is to um get to a national platform. And so I would love to actually be able to um, adv- have advisement to folks who are governors and adv- like real advisement to folks who are yeah. influencers that are that are bigger than, that, you know, the billionaire influences. I would love to be able to sit and talk to people about, you know, the decisions of where and who they can, um, how they can support communities who are making you know billions of dollars like i'd love to be able to be someone's advisor that is like not someone but i'd love to have a talk show i'd love to be i just need to talk to more people does that make sense like, oh yeah I need no to absolutely to talk to more
0: people me too
1: i'd, I'd like to get <clears throat> into the global global banking like i'd like to talk to people who like are really are are really um not actually driven by people I'd like to talk to people who are driven by people who are not, they're not driven by people. I want to talk to them. I want them to be, see if there's any human there, right? (laughs) So that I can actually talk. Um, In the next five years, I mean, that's the biggest goal, but in my next five years, like I really would like to get more into a national platform. And
0: locally though, and you know, we joke about it, but with city council, you are a very valuable asset for them to, have access to you know like if they can reach out to you and i'm sure they do i'm sure that they have you know and yeah they have and that's really important you know and i think i live in springfield and springfield is doing as much as they can to in my opinion and and maybe people will disagree with this but i think that they're showing progress in bringing more voices to the table you know and and elect you know appointing people yeah
1: yeah and i in my in my goal like i said my intention and impact when you're bringing people to the table, what's the table, what's the table made of? Sure. I got to talk to you about that.
0: No, I'm
1: the person you want to talk to before you're bringing people to the table because right. you know, right. like you can bring people to dinner, but is the food poisonous? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's talk about what's in the food. Are sure. they allergic to this? Like yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to serve them this bullshit. Right. So this is the kind of thing that I'm, I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get to is I want to be the person that is helping build the table. That makes more sense. Like don't, feed them that food that that's that food is racist right and so like i said the intention to impact i'm trying to get to be before before the harm is done like i'm trying to do the pre-talk you know pre yeah. prep. Uh, it's tough because in
0: i'm optimistic about some of the directions it's going but i hear you you know because of the fact that it's you know it, it's tough when you when everyone's like okay let's just like take it out of, out of uh you know civil rights or whatnot and talk about like the fed people are like let's audit the fed i'm like cool when we do that i'm going on vacation
2: Right, yeah. <laughs> you, don't,
0: you know, you what I mean, because you know, it's like, it's like tearing is, it down kind of thing.
1: It's bigger work than we want to make it. We want to be, we want diversity. We want all the brown and black. We want all the the redheads on this side and the blondes on this side, and we want the you know the brunettes on this side. If we're talking about you know diversity, we just want to mix them all together, right? Right. right. That doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work. If the play, And the space that you mix them in, you know, is is all blonde. Like it doesn't work. It's not yeah. the same. You can't do it that way. And we're going to continue to run in circles if we don't stop trying to hurry to the solution. We need to do get the solution right. And we need to make real change. And real change means that you don't get to go so fast. It means that we have to talk about why you're racist and yeah. why you don't want to talk about, you know, why you don't want to actually talk about the fact that you don't, not only do you not know or give a damn to know black people, but when you see black people that you, ha- that you kind of do cringe, that's okay. That's okay. But I want you to recognize that when you're trying to make your policy, you're like, well, I don't cringe when I see black people. Okay, great. Tell me how you feel about black people. Well, I don't really think about black people. That's a problem. No, if exactly.
0: trying- and that, but that's why I think it's so important. <laughs> like I talked about it at length on the podcast that you know a name like Johannes Tadeo in Springfield that was running for city council why I thought it was so important for him to to be on city council and the woman that won is great don't get me wrong but because there's such a huge hispanic population that there's things that just do not get they don't even consider and so that <clears throat> so that representation is so important and right. so so I, I hear you and i and i think you're totally right it's just it, there's these small Progressive successes. We're far
1: away. We're far. Away. Yeah.
0: yeah, And there's progressive successes sometimes that That's it's right. like we're fixing. This is the issue. We're fixing it in the system in place, but at a certain point, we're gonna have to tear it all down. Like we all know that. Yeah. We know that. You know. And so, but for the time being, I think that those things need to happen. Like, like having a Damian Pitts on the board where he's gonna. He sets. He's great. You know, the conversations I yeah. had, you know, with him. And I, I'm just happy about the way Springfield's going in, in a lot of ways, at least for the short term. You know. So yeah. long, long term it's gonna be interesting. You have a big day. Uh, I appreciate you sitting down and, and chatting with me today. Uh yeah. you know, and it's really an honor to get to know you and I'm a big fan of your show. So anybody listening, Aisha Elliott, Black Girl From Eugene is the podcast. You can go to blackgirlfromugene.org and there's a lot of valuable information. We talked about it, we talked about uh, kids for the cultures are really big one race equity talks. If your business uh, wants to look into something like that or your individual yes,
1: that's uh, a big
0: one. nurturing black for, for parents, parents, uh, white parents with black kids. I think it's really cool. It's good to know that these resources are there locally. So, yeah. so for your website, uh, black girl from anyone can check that out. There's a ton of stuff yes. for you to look at. Aisha yes. Elliott, you're awesome. I'm going to end this with a song. I'm picking this song again at the end of last season. This is the beginning of my fourth season of my show. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'm continuing with this band that I have been listening to on repeat. My friend Brandon Ferguson is the bassist. The band is called Thinking About You Underwater, and the song is called Collusion. Fragile for
2: the hell of it. I'm ahead of it. Sail away from me. And don't believe you're the hypocrite. That'll Not everyone will benefit From the dead of me Now your head is gone Sometimes I feel unedited From the dead of it Save your head from me But I don't want to die Just to realize That I've been alive This whole damn time Like ghosts We went to desolate city. I'm broken souls to steal dead bodies I know My karma is in a capsule for you to take from Don't make me the asshole And I hope that I won't sleep Cause I'm a sinking ship Brittle bones made of jealousy Broken empathy And now I'll disappear, no dependency Not everyone will benefit from the dead of me Now you're very wrong Sometimes I feel I'm cherry red Throw me in the sea, don't you wait a bit But I don't want to die Just to realize that I've been alive this whole damn time we went to desolate cities to find broken souls, to steal dead bodies, I know my karma is in a capsule for you to take from, don't make me the asshole.